Good morning, all. This is Randy Brunson with Centurion Advisory Group in the studio today with Sandy LaRue, my co-lead and relationship manager at the company, along with our guest, Jamie Hamilton. Jamie is the executive director of the Special Needs School of Gwinnett. Uh, by the way, this this podcast, what's it called? Stewarding Family Wealth? I should know all these things. But anyway, mm-hmm. we're, ju- we're just glad you're listening today. Glad that you're with us. We so appreciate Mike and Amanda, the team here at Gwinnett Business Radio X. Always want to give them a, a thumbs up and a shout out. But uh, we are here today specifically to talk to Jamie Hamilton about the Special Needs School of Gwinnett. Now, in our previous episode, Jamie was kind enough to share some of his story and his background. Grew up in the on the Atlantic Coast in the Maryland area, served as a golf professional for a number of years, found his way. He and Ashley found their way to Georgia about two years ago. You are now the Executive Director of Special Needs School of Gwinnett. So just take some time, give us a background, the history of Special Needs School of Gwinnett, the growth that you've seen over the last couple of years. From a historical perspective, our school was founded in 1988, so we've been serving for almost 35 years now, um, and it actually all started with, with four preschool-aged children, um, a teacher, and what is now a storage closet uh, at a church, a church in Lawrenceville. You know, these, these four young people and their families really were, were just, again, preschool age, getting into the school side of things, and their families really just didn't know where to turn. Um, there's not many options today that were far less 30 years ago. And uh, our founders were a speech pathologist and an educator. And so they said, I, th- I think we, we may be able to help. And so they started a preschool program. And, you know, these four individuals likely on the autism spectrum, and, and they were able to connect with them directly and really set the foundation for their educational journey. And as those students got older and others found out about the program, uh, we subsequently added, of course, kindergarten, elementary, middle, eventually high school programs. Uh, we now actually offer a young adult transitional program, so post-school, um, but for those that still need the structure and the ongoing training and support and education. Um, and so over the last you know, 33, 34 years, we have just continued to, to grow with those individuals and grow with the demand, have, have moved to different settings, increased our enrollment, and today uh, are on a, a, about an eight-acre campus in Lawrenceville, and we get to serve about 70 students in our school program and about 20 in our young adult program. But but some of those some of those students who who um, are on the autism spectrum somewhere have just very special mental gifts. I mean, it reminds me you you may remember the movie Rain Man, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that was that was that story. I, I I don't remember the particulars, but I remember that was it Dustin Hoffman that yeah. played the the gentleman with autism, mm-hmm. which just absolutely brilliant. On the autism spectrum, many of these individuals can analyze data and particularly see um, see errors and patterns. Mm-hmm. that we can't. One of the examples that they gave was there's a, there's a company, I think they were Illinois-based, and they, they literally review catalogs, mail-order catalogs, online catalogs, to look for errors in pricing, you know, to, to make sure if we're going to publish something, it's correct. The data's there. It's, it's all vetted out. And they literally have a professional team of people that do this for this company. Well, they then hired this, this team of, of or a, a company that is all folks on the autism spectrum. They compare they went through the catalog reference price sheets and at the end of the day the errors that they found in that catalog with the expected sales volume of those items they identified about a half a million dollars in lost revenue that would have happened had that been published and again the team that does that for a living had already vetted that out and said this is this is correct everything here is is valid but they just in many ways see life through a little bit of a different lens Mm -hmm. and can see 
pattern or lack thereof or mistakes that that we can't and i think the the world is in every way is becoming more aware and accommodating in in some ways that they understand we we far understand how these people function you know mm-hmm. how their brain works how they see the world what they're really good at and people are starting to realize there are some tremendous areas where these folks we we're not just going to find a way for them to fit in but they are really going to excel, excel and be a huge benefit yeah. to that company. Yeah. So while the way they interact with people or information or others uh, may not fit our definition of normal, what we are finding is they are just about some exceptional people with very special gifts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Wow. Th- there are a, a high number of folks on the autism spectrum who are either limited or nonverbal. Okay. And so and you think back to when I was in school or, or you know, when you were in school and, and there were there were kids like that yeah they they, they did Mm -hmm. not exist back then we just didn't really know and and they were maybe pegged as they were certainly different and they probably aren't smart was the way that we you know special education was sort of earmarked for Uh, kids that couldn't mm -hmm. achieve on the level and they needed more help to to learn well we never really thought well maybe they're really gifted in some areas and we just don't quite understand how that works and you know we we have kids at the school who are limited or nonverbal but one could probably take my cell phone apart or your computer apart and tell you every piece that's in it and put it back together. It'd probably work better when he got done with it. <laughs> but he would he can't sit here and have a conversation with us the way that, that we're accustomed to. Wow. So Just different, different skill set. So, so tell us, so, so the school was, you said, founded and started in 1988. That was the teacher and what did you say, three or four students? Four students, four preschool-age students and okay. a teacher in what is now a storage closet at a church in Lawrenceville. Okay. And so um, likely those, those children were on the autism spectrum. Uh, but you think in, in the late 80s, the awareness, um, the options, you know, there were families that were going, we really don't know what's best for our child. We, we don't know what, who to turn to, what, what options there are. Mm-hmm. And so um, our co-founders were um, a speech pathologist. So she had you know, worked in this space and worked with, with children like this and an educator. And they said, well, we can, we can help these, these four students. So it, it literally started out of, literally out of a storage closet with four kids. Okay. Um, and over the years it grew and eventually we had kindergarten program as these children aged. So did, you know, our offerings, kindergarten, elementary school, and then others started to become aware of it. Eventually middle school programs, high school programs. Uh, we have a young adult day program that is, is post-school, sort of a transition into adulthood. Um, and so we've, we've evolved and grown and served more audiences um, over 30 plus years um, and really just been there to answer the needs of the community. And um, I'm really impressed with you know, with very little for most of that time financially and resource-wise, um, their sole focus was what was best for these these children, and they've always had that at the forefront. And so the, the students themselves that are there in school at special needs school, some may have physical disabilities, others may have emotional or mental impairments, and many of them have some combination of both or yes. all? Yeah, so intellectual, developmental, and physical disabilities sort of encompasses, you know, the, the broad spectrum of, mm-hmm. of the students we serve. Most of them have, have tried and been unsuccessful either in public schools or in other educational environments. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier, Gwinnett County Public Schools does an exceptional job. You know, we're, we're very fortunate to live in a county with such high-quality schools and the resources. I mean, right. mm-hmm. they compared to almost every other place in the country, they're exceptional, and they are in special education. But I think 
in general, but particularly over the last two years, I think we've all learned different children learn differently. Right. They thrive in, in one setting. And when you're charged with serving almost 200,000 you know, school children in mm-hmm. Gwinnett County, there are going to be some that despite your best efforts and all of the accommodations in the world and all of the funding in the world, it's just not the right environment for. Right. And we talk to our, when, when a new student and their family come to our school, often it's just a path of failed attempts to find that right environment. And uh, they come mm-hmm. to us and, and we have the flexibility and the luxury of, of operating a little bit differently than certainly a public school environment particularly in a growing county like this, it's really hard to slow down and scale back and teach everyone on a one-to-one basis. So if, if the three of us were in a classroom, we might all three be working on different material, right. being taught in a different way, mm-hmm. um, with different goals in mind. Um, and we can do that, and that's, it's, it's much more challenging to do that in a larger environment. Yes, it is. So, so what, what is the current enrollment at special needs school? So in our, we're a pre-K through 12 school program. Okay. We've got uh, just over 70 students in the school program. And then we call it our YALS program, Young Adults Learning Life Skills. So that's for folks that have either graduated or aged out uh, from the school program, uh, but still need the structure and the ongoing training and ongoing education you know, that comes with school. Um, so most of them are 22 to 35 age-wise. We have about 20 in that program. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So for those in the K to, uh, pre-K to, to 12th grades, you've got about 70 students and about how many teachers serve those students? So every classroom has a lead teacher and a paraprofessional. Okay. So it's uh, and 10 students in each class. So it's a, basically a, a 10 to 2 ratio of, of students to teachers or paraprofessionals. And then you know, we have a few different uh, sort of floating paraprofessionals that will assist in different capacities and, you know, a, a leadership staff and some other specialty, you know, uh, teachers that will, you know, help with art programming or music therapy, things like that, mm-hmm. um, that rotate through. So so it sounds like it's almost like a one to five or if you include all the floaters and the special programs, you said like music and art and physical therapy and some things like this, it's a, almost a one to four ratio. So you can you can literally do a customized, uh, th- there's a phrase for this that, that I don't know, but a customized education plan for every single student. Who is a student? What do they need? How do we help them get the education? And how do they learn so we can do that for them? Is that right? It, exactly. Yeah, it's an individualized wow. approach to education. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, that, that ratio, yeah. Yeah, it's it. You know, having that that small of a ratio, and uh, our students, with a few exceptions, essentially are in the same classroom with the same teachers the entire day across all subject matters. And so the continuity between the teacher and the mm-hmm. students, they really, really at a high level understand how they learn, how they're distracted, how to connect with them, what are the things that they enjoy the most, what are, where are the areas they need the most, you know, support in. Um, you know, pretty quickly, they really, on an intimate level, know how to best educate that child. And, you know, I say educate uh, academics, certainly, you know, is, is what we do. But academics is a gateway for social, social development, emotional mm-hmm. development, interpersonal mm-hmm. skills. Um, you know, all the things that happen as a byproduct of being together with peers and people that care about you and interact um, and often, you know, some of our students are gifted academically but struggle mightily in some of these other areas. So yeah. um, it's equally as important to, to touch them on, on, on all of those fronts. Mm. Yeah. So how do, how do parents find special needs school? How have they been finding it over the years? Yeah, I mean, over the years, it's been very sort of slow, organic growth. And so if you had a child who was 
you know, had a, had a um, you know, a special need and was navigating the world of special education and you weren't finding, you know, their needs met, you, mm-hmm. you would do some research and maybe come find us sometimes through therapists, you know, m- maybe at a school they might realize we're just not well suited, you know, to handle this or to, to serve the student the right way and might recommend us. But it's always been very slow. Um, COVID uh, and this this new era of education that we've all sort of lived in the last year and a half has has very it's it's been very odd but a blessing. Um, we've had more attention and people finding us over the last year and a half than probably ever before in the history of the school. And you know, in spring of of twenty, when everyone went remote, parents maybe for the first time, many of them really played an active role in the, their child's education. Mm-hmm. As much mm-hmm. as we'd like to believe that we're very active in that, when they had to put the teacher hat on, they very quickly learned, you know, how their child does or doesn't learn, how they succeed. Can they sit in front of a computer? Do they need to be with people? They maybe started to see the emotional um, issues that are caused by lack of, of interpersonal connection. And so particularly in the world of special education, most families realize that that, that is not a very good, that is not a, a, a replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to be with their teachers. They need to be with their peers. Um, they need something other than a disconnected remote tablet computer approach mm-hmm. to education. We were really fortunate in that um, while this was happening, we were in the process of building our, the first phase of our new school building. So last summer, uh, summer of 20, we opened up a new building. And that took us from about 47, 48 was the, capaci- or, yeah, was the capacity in the old, old setup to about 70. And so at a time when we had a lot of enrollment opportunities. Mm-hmm. Gwinnett County Public Schools said, you know what, we're not going to be able to return in person right. as quickly as we thought. These families said that this isn't going to work. I, we can't, this didn't work in the spring. It's not going to work in the fall. We need to go find something different. And we were really lucky that many of them found their way to SNS. We were in a, a, for the first time really ever, in a position to accept a lot of new students all at once. Mm-hmm. And so, we literally in about a week enrolled almost 25 new students. Wow. And, um, the, mm-hmm. the real blessing has been our, our worry was, well, we'll welcome them. But what happens when public school comes back? Will they all leave? Are we going to say hello? And as soon as we get to know them, say goodbye. <laughs> mm-hmm. They all stayed. Yeah, and wow. for the first time in the history of the school, going from last year to this year, every student who wasn't graduating, who was eligible to return, re-enrolled. And that was the first time in the history of the school we've had 100% re-enrollment rate. So. Wow. Um, we became the answer for a lot of families, and I think once they were in that environment, families saw my child may have been getting by before, but this is an environment that they can thrive in, and, and awesome. they saw that difference. Awesome. So, so it sounds as if this, the plans that the school have made, the plans that the school had made, and the environment all came together in 2020, where they were building out and finished the new school building that could accommodate more students. The need was there because there were some question at the public school level about what was going to be available and so and and so you went back to the classroom sns went back to the classroom the fall of 2020 is that right we did so uh, august of 2020 we returned and you know again we were we were very lucky we we very accidentally developed both a physical plant and a model that works really well or as, as best as you can in pandemic education so the new building gave us sizable classrooms so when it came to spreading out we had the space to do as much mm. as possible with 10 students in a class and two teachers, again, this isn't 25 or 30 students and trying to figure out how to manage that. So we, we had that already going for us. We don't change classes throughout the day. 
Um, the new school building, there are bathrooms within each classroom, so they're not going out and using shared restrooms. So the just the, the innate challenges that, again, public school provides or larger schools provide, we sort of accidentally didn't have to deal with any of that. And then the last real blessing was um, the new school building. We've had some very longtime friends and partners in Mitsubishi Electric train HVAC here in Sewanee. Mm -hmm. And they had donated some really exceptional um, HVAC uh, equipment mm. to the new school. And so mm -hmm. in our building, every single room is its own contained environment. So every classroom wow. has its own unit. So if there ever was an instance where you had someone sick in one classroom, that air is never going to the hallway. It's never going to another classroom. It's not going to any offices. Um, and so we just very by chance thought had an environment we felt very comfortable if, if anyone was going to be able to do it safely we felt like we were we were that school so so as you went down the t i mean by virtue of who the school serves it's built and designed for things like low density and isolation and like you said bathrooms in each classroom so they don't have to go out in the hallway and mix with others uh, the controlled air unit in each classroom so hats off to Mitsubishi for doing that. But it's mm -hmm. just it's it's a perfect environment. I mean, if you if you could design something to fit what's going on culturally, that's it. Yeah. No, we mm -hmm. were really lucky. And then you know, teachers, staff, families, students, you know, that had been taken away from all of us. And so I think we all appreciate the fact that this was an opportunity for us to come back and do this in person. But we all needed to take it very seriously, be good stewards of safety and health and sanitation, right. and that it could go away if we weren't very careful with that. So everyone took it very seriously, combined with the physical plant and the model, it, it ended up working really, really well. However, SNS Gwinnett is not a public school. It is a private nonprofit school. Correct. Okay. I, I like to say nonprofit private because I think we are more, more in that order than the other way. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a nonprofit school designed specific, specifically to serve students with special needs. Okay. So funding how how is the school funded I'm, I'm certain that there's tuition involved but th at mm -hmm. the same time parents that have special needs children already have significant financial demands on the household mm -hmm. okay so talk about how the school is funded what the parents are experiencing financially some of those kind of things and what we as a community can do to help exactly so we have always been very prideful of having as low tuition as is possible you know again we are technically private so there is a tuition associated with that we've wanted to make it approachable you know special needs don't discriminate as far as who they find um, and often many of the families that we serve you know they have other challenges and other dynamics in their family life so you know writing a check is is not so simple or you know in the greater metropolitan Atlanta area there are other schools that either serve in a similar capacity or serve one disability or the other uh, many of them operate more as uh, prep academies or you know very well funded right. um, affluent mm -hmm. families affluent alumni large donors you know they, they they don't deal with some of the challenges that our families deal with or that we've dealt with historically at the school and so um, almost all of our families by the nature of their child's special need get some funding from the state of, of Georgia so there's a special needs scholarship that's available so if you have not succeeded in the public environment they will provide you with some money to go to a school like ours so Almost 100% of our students, you know, come with some of that funding, um, often very significant funding, but there, there's, there is a gap. 
and most families don't have the financial capacity to simply cover that on their own. Mm -hmm. And so historically, we have tried to step in and fund with scholarships. Now, for much of our existence, scholarship has been a code word for discounted tuition. You know, we've, we've made up the difference where the families couldn't, but it wasn't funded by, by actual money. And that, I think, very much is why for 30 years, we did a great job of taking care of the kids, but our growth was always stifled. We were always mm -hmm. limited, and what we could do was, you know, we, we were financially hamstringing ourselves to serve the kids the best. And, and the right thing to do, for sure. But in the last few years, we've been able, as more people have become aware of us, and the general support, and this GASO tax credit program that we're going to talk about um, has come more to the forefront. That dynamic has changed where now we can step in with mm -hmm. funded scholarships and meet the need and, and we'll have students that will come in, you know, again, we're, we're, we're with them pre-K through 12. So if a third grader comes in and they have significant financial needs, you know, you have to think about this is, this is something we're going to have to help them with, not just this year or next year, but for the rest of their academic journey. Mm -hmm. And so for the first time, we're really in a position to start to be able to help. There's a lot more we can do, and, um, but it's, it's a really great thing to welcome a family who comes in saying, I don't think I'm going to be able to afford this. And you say, don't worry about that. We'll help you with that part of it. All right. So a, a question for you, and we'll talk about how those of us listening uh, can help. So um, with, and you said the, the parents, there, there is some state assistance available if the parents find that the public schools just don't work for their children. And then there's some tuition. So between the tuition checks the parents can write, and whatever state assistance might be available specific to that household, what percentage of the annual operating budget does that cover? And just around numbers. It, it varies pretty dramatically. That state funding um, is between about 3,000 and 11,000. So it's it varies very much okay. on a student okay. by student basis. Yeah. But I mean, it, it could very much be, you know, 20% of our annual, in the old days, 20 to 25% of our max tuition was probably you know, being forgiven as a quote-unquote scholarship. So it's a very significant mm -hmm. percentage, and it's what takes you from, you know, we're a nonprofit, but giving us money to reinvest and, and, and you know, grow and better serve and get more resources and do all the things you'd want to do, that's the difference between being able to do that now and waiting five or ten years to slowly be able to mm -hmm. hopefully one day get to that point. Right. So, so the school still depends. If, in, a, in a best case scenario, you would it would probably work well for the school if if they could depend on fifty percent of their annual operating budget from just gifts from donors not associated with parents. Is that right? Oh, uh, yeah. If at that level we you know and we're on our way towards that, we could really accomplish some incredible things and do it very quick and always be there to answer the bell and not have to defer things for years okay so 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 um let, let's think in terms of um let's let's call it half of the school's operating budget is covered through um uh, tuition paid by the parents as well as uh, specific assistance that the state provides to those students okay um and then the other half needs to come from those of us in the community who see a, have a heart for this and the state of georgia has uh, has been the state of georgia has been a business leader for years they consistently rank as one of the best places for business in the country and have for a number of years and what they've done for individual taxpayers in georgia 
is a part of that. that and, um, go, this goes back, I think, I, I looked this up, I think this goes back to 2008, but in 2008, the legislature passed and Governor Sonny Perdue signed into law the Georgia Educational Expense Credit Program that was the enabling legislation for what has become Georgia Student Scholarship Organization, right? Correct. So yeah, uh, GASO or the Georgia GASO. Student Scholarship Organization, they're one of a, uh, there's a number of facilitators of this law, but they are the ones that we work through. They're one of the oldest. They were founded essentially when that law was, was passed in 2008. Um, and, and from total dollars given, they're one of the largest SSOs uh, in the state. I think they've given over $50 million in scholarships since they were founded. Okay. And so... Um, what this what this legislation has enabled, what it allows Randy Brunson as a taxpayer to do, is, as most of you listeners know, Georgia has a state income tax, and without specific direction, the taxes that I pay to the state of Georgia simply goes into the general fund and then is allocated based on what whatever however the state runs our budget. Okay, but the state of Georgia has also set up several programs. Gaso or, or the employee educa- uh, the um, education expense credit is one. Gaso was one where I can direct my state income taxes due to Gaso, and the way that works is with a credit. So go through the process. You can go to GeorgiaSSO.com, I believe is a website, mm-hmm. GeorgiaSSO.com. And there's chapter and verse there. I've been, I was at the site over the weekend. It's easy to use, very easy to, to read. It's, it's a user-friendly site, so it's easy to, easy to understand what's going on. But if, if I am a single taxpayer, I can, give up, uh, I can direct up to $1,000 of my pers- uh, state income taxes due. If I'm married filing jointly, I can direct up to $2,500 of my state income taxes due through GASO, okay, and effectively get a 100% tax credit. So every dollar I give to GASO is offset with a state tax credit. So what I, the way I describe it is we as taxpayers get to direct the state taxes that we pay to Georgia to GASO up to about $100 million. I think it's a $100 million cap. Georgia has set aside $100 million for GASO. For the, for the current year, for 2021. If I'm a business owner, in my case I am, if I'm a business owner, I can direct up to $10,000. Is that right? Yeah, for S-Corps, LLCs, pass-through entities, that is correct. So $10,000, and in the, in the instance where there's maybe a dual ownership, as long as they both have that burden, it can be up to 20000 So 10000 for each co-owner with a $20,000 max at that pass-through level. Okay, so so mm. for those of you, so with a partnership or an LLC, uh, C corp, any flow through that takes a, a pass through that's a sub S or partnership, where where business results flow through the personal tax return, it's a ten thousand, but it's it's ten thousand dollars for any and all of the the partners or shareholders or stockholders up to a max of twenty thousand. Cor- correct. Yeah, in that multiple owner scenario, again, assuming that the revenues from that company give each person $10,000 worth of state tax liability, then they have the opportunity to, to both do that $10,000 gift so or up to. So it's not 20000 total, it's 10000 per Per owner for, per a, for, owner. A, for a total of up to 20000 So even though, again, these are pass-throughs, so the liability is falling on a person, um, but at the at the the company level, so to speak, they could do a maximum of twenty. Okay, 000. so it is maximum twenty. Okay, yeah. so okay. so um, for those of you listening, let me give you some ratios. In the state of Georgia, your state income tax is going to be roughly five thousand dollars for every one hundred thousand dollars of uh, state taxable income. Okay, so it's mm-hmm. about five percent. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. That's all the detail you need for purposes of this conversation, but it's about $5,000 per $100,000 of income. So so, so then um, let's say a a business has two owners. It's a pass-through entity. Uh, They each own 50%, and the business has... $500,000 $500,000 of net income for the year. This is a very simple illustration, but it'll, it'll serve for our purposes. Mm-hmm. They have $500,000 of net income for the year. Okay, Then each of the owners, uh, the shareholders or partners, could give 10000 up to because the, the Georgia tax on that 500000 is going to be about 25000 in that range. Okay, so each of the owners could give ten thousand dollars through Gasso. They could uh, go through. You, there's a drop-down box on the website mm-hmm. where we want this to go to uh, SNS Gwinnett, Special Needs School of Gwinnett. So it's directed to you once that contribution is made. Okay, and um, they get a hundred percent state tax credit for that. Correct. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And then you know, at a higher level, when you get into the C corporation level. Um, it functions a little bit differently, but those companies have the opportunity to give as much as 75% of their annual tax liability. And so um, there's no preset amount. It's, it's purely based on you know, what the annual tax burden is for that company. And mm-hmm. so there's some much higher levels for many C corporations and um, the opportunity to make some, some very big um, mm-hmm. and very impactful gifts through this program. And again, get 100% of it back as a state tax credit. Right. And so so on, on the C-Corp side, and most of the business people that you and I know operate in a, in a, in a pass-through entity, but there are, very, there are some mm-hmm. entities that operate as a C-Corporation. So those, they can, and so C-Corporations pay taxes separately and distinct from their shareholders or owners. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two, two tax schemes there. So they can give up to 75% of their Georgia tax liability through SSO to benefit special needs school Gwinnett. Exactly. Okay. All right, good. And then there's one other thing I want to touch on, okay, just very briefly as we wrap up our conversation today. But one other thing I want to touch on, there has been, and I'm, I'm not going to quote the revenue procedures and proposed regs and final regs, but there's a schedule there. By the way, if if you or your advisor, your financial advisor, your CPA, your attorney would like some of the detail on this, the, the revenue rulings, the frequently asked questions, some of the publications from the IRS that you can find at the Federal Register, send us an email and let us know. Go to our website, InfoAd or Info at Centurion AG or R. Brunson at Centurion AG is fine, and we will send you what we have so that your prof- your professional advisors can give you some guidance on this. But there are final regs as of August of 2020 that allow businesses to support Special Needs School of Gwinnett and uh, treat that expense as a necessary and ordinary business expense so that it is fully deductible for the business since it's a business expense. And at the same time, that gift to Special Needs School of Gwinnett through Gasso can also qualify for the 100% state tax credit. Exactly. I don't think time allows us to go through the the opinion from the IRS in the summer of 18 and the subsequent guidance, proposed regs, final regs, but it's all in place. I have incredibly detailed notes say have stuff saved to the file so if you would like that um, I would encourage you if, if you're a client listening listening to this either we have already had this discussion with you or it's on our list to do well before the end of the year you're on the list okay mm-hmm. if you're not a client and you would like some information we'll be glad to send it to you but so the way we can help special needs school of Gwinnett and, and we do support our firm supports special needs school of Gwinnett mm-hmm. um, 
for, for those of you listening, here, here's why. Here's why. Okay. Every one of us has a mandate. This is Randy Brunson's philosophy, and it permeates our corporate culture. Okay. We have a mandate to steward well everything that we have been given. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's a scribe from some of the ancient writings and some of his people across the history of the world. Across the history of the world, it has been a history of warfare where the, the strong people would attack the weak people and they would take the weak people as prisoners and slaves, okay? And so it was in this setting that this scribe, some of his people had been carried away and they were foreigners in this strange land. So he, he stroked the letter to them, okay? He sent them a letter and it was a letter of encouragement. And it was really interesting. So here you have these foreigners in this strange language, strange customs, strange everything. They'd been hauled off as slaves and settled in this one part of this this foreign land. And in the letter he said, what I want you to do is he said, I want you to settle down and raise your children, plant your vineyards. This is an agrarian culture. Plant your vineyards and raise your crops, okay? Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. And he said, seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which you live for when it prospers you too will prosper okay mm-hmm. that guidance has not changed in 2500 to 3000 years so special needs school is doing a great work okay they are providing educational opportunities and mm-hmm. and emotional and and mental support and stimulation and assistance to these students who really have very little other recourse and we have an opportunity to be involved in this great work by supporting financially special needs school to Gwinnett. In, in addition to that Georgia in its interest in supporting these kinds of activities gives us a tax credit and if we pay attention we might even get a twofer where we get a federal deduction and a state tax credit so that's um what else do we need to share? Jamie, any, any last words? Yeah, no, I mean, you nailed it. It's, mm-hmm. you know, they're, it's, it's a, these, these are some of the best kids you will ever want to meet, and they're so deserving, and they really do need help. And there's a lot of great charities and nonprofits in Gwinnett, and they're all doing exceptional work. This is one of those rare opportunities where you can do good for people that really need it, tell the government how you want your tax dollars spent. We have yep. some donors that are motivated by that first and foremost. Sure. Right. And again, for business owners, it, it can often be a profitable, this isn't a charitable donation, this can literally be a profitable venture for you to be in. Um, and for me, the thing I really love about it too is once you've funded it once, it's it's self-sufficient. So, you know, if you, you fund it one year, you never have to come out of pocket ever again. Use that return to fund it the next year and com- mm. the, the impact is compounded. It's, it's really the vehicle by which our school and our students will thrive and grow. And so much great work is being done because of this program. And if you ever wanted to help uh, you know, a nonprofit or a charity or a school or deserving children like this, you're not going to find a better and easier path to doing it than, than the, the GASO program. Good, good, good. Sandy, any, any uh, last words as we wrap up today? No, it just it's it's amazing. I wish these programs were around when my son was young. So this is an incredible opportunity. I definitely think people should look into it. Even beyond the tax deductions, that's great and that's the blessing, but the blessing is to give. I'm with yeah. you. It really it's is. Awesome. It really is. 
Good. Thank you both. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us these last two episodes. It has been an absolute privilege. Uh, I know we will talk to you again very soon, but thank you for joining us here on this mm-hmm. episode of Stewarding Family Wealth, brought to you by Centurion Advisor Group, local independent wealth management firm on Gwinnett Business Radio X. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Mm-hmm.